0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
1: I will call upon you to do a
0: service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Boy, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Love Talk Radio. <laughs>
0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon to our friends out on the East Coast. My name is Stuart Crawford, and greetings uh, once again from Small Business IT Radio. This is supposed to be a a weekly webcast, but it's turned into a kind of a bi-weekly one just with some scheduling uh, conflicts and other things. I was in Tampa last week at the um, Connectwise office, learned about some uh, service blueprinting, and it was all great, and. Our host today, or our guest today, joins us from Tampa. I wish I would have known. I would have, you know, I had some uh, free time last Saturday, Dave. I could have joined you for a coffee or something. But anyway, I was uh, at
1: the Yankees game. <laughs>
0: there, there you go. Uh, our guest today is uh, Dave Stein, who uh, is with ES Research, uh, northeastern-based uh, organization that works with sales professionals all across the world. But you know, Dave could do a much better job describing what he does than I can. But Before we introduce Dave, I just want to welcome everybody to uh, Small Business IT Radio for another week. We do have the chat window open up on blogtalkradio.com. We do welcome your phone calls as well if you want to dial in with a question at 646-716-8372. The phone lines will be open momentarily, and you can uh, come on and ask your questions to Dave or myself. But I'd like to uh, welcome our guest today, Dave Stein, who uh, is a sales uh, training professional, uh, founder of ES Research, but Dave, you do a much better job explaining who you are, what you do. Give us the uh, the lowdown of who you are and what the ES research is all about.
1: Oh, sure. So, uh, Stuart, thanks. first of all, thanks so much for having me and and the listeners. uh, I know I'll have a chance to respond to some of your questions. I'm looking forward to that. Um, So I had a a quick first career as a professional trumpet player, and uh, I didn't do all that well at that. In fact, I wrote about a bit of that story on my blog. I'm sure I'll give the folks the URL a couple of times before we're over here. But I went quickly from uh, music, uh, and I had a degree in postgraduate work, to programming. And I started programming. Uh, computers in the language APL for IBM way, way back uh, in the early 1980s and, and got pretty well-versed at writing software, Uh, actually quite well-versed and wrote a bunch of uh, MRP systems and accounting systems and things like that, and then realized that uh, sitting behind a a computer terminal wasn't for me, and I got into the sales area, but always used uh, the left side of my brain, uh, the the logical, process-oriented, disciplined side of my brain, rather than the uh, you know, the seat of the pants, uh, you know, impulsive right side, but I used the left side to help me when I learned how to sell, and and I excelled at it. I did very, very well, and and so I, I, I got into sales, I went up the ladder, you know, sales, sales management, VP of sales, a general management, VP of operations, VP of international, I got into marketing, uh, I ran professional services firms, started and sold a few companies, and uh, Always in the back of my mind and always the thing I loved most was helping salespeople to win big competitive sales opportunities. And when you, you know work for small IT companies like I did over the course of many years and you're competing against the likes of SAP and Oracle and companies like that, uh, you really need all the help you can get. So I did a bunch of sales training and consulting and, and actually started to phase out of that. I, I was burned out from the travel. I was doing 12 to 14 uh, trips to Europe a year, uh, three to four to Asia, all over the U.S., on the road three and a half weeks a month, uh, three and a half weeks a month, all year around, and then decided in 2004 that I wanted to get out of the sales consulting and sales training business, and there were a lot of abuses going on in sales training. Uh, Sales training is a $6.5 billion a year business in the U.S., $6.5 billion a year, and we couldn't find any independent uh, information, reports, surveys, advice about even the most well-known, the Miller-Hyman's and the Huthwaits and, and the Holden's uh, and the Wilson Learning's of the world. So I, I scratched my head, quite familiar with Gartner and, uh, and AMR and Yankee Group and some of those IT industry analyst firms and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I started an industry analyst firm that covered the sales performance improvement space, mainly sales training companies? So I got a former president of Gartner Research, Adam Wren and the former head of of, uh, a number of different divisions at Gartner, a guy by the name of Al Case, and we started ES Research Group in 2005. And our sole purpose in life now is to provide an independent objective view of sales performance programs and tools and the companies that provide them. We produce reports. We have subscribers. We sell reports a la carte off of our website, and we also provide services where we go into companies, help them understand their own sales challenges, and help them find the right companies and products. We don't provide those products, but help them find the right companies and products so that they can overcome their sales challenges. So that was a long-winded, Stuart, but that's my life story in four minutes.
0: Well, that's great, uh, David. I got, I got a lot of the, the, some new areas I didn't even know about you. from following your blog and your website but uh, your website is esresearch.com, and we'll get the blog uh, address out in a little while here. But the reason for our call today, uh, Dave, and the the program today, is all about sales 101. And I, you know, I was at an event last night, a networking event, and you know something rang very true there that I heard from one of my colleagues is, you know, everybody could be great or everybody could be good when the economy's hot. You know, things are falling in our lap, and a lot of opportunity out there the real greatness of who we are as salespeople or as business owners really doesn't ring out until we're in an economy like we are today or the economy softens a little bit or, or whatever we want to look at it. Uh, that's when the, the, you really realize how good you are is when you've got to start hustling the streets and finding opportunities. But, Dave, the reason for our program today is to talk about when, you know, when those sales 101 tips, tricks, techniques, whatever you want to call it, are not enough now to really get us by. And, you know, some of those things would be, you know, following an article that you recently wrote, or, you know, cold calling, maybe managing a sales territory, uh, you know, executing a campaign, uh, you know, successful meetings with prospects. I mean, the list goes on and on. But let's just open up the can of worms here around, you know, what are you seeing out there today? What's happening uh, with the general sales professional? Where are they stumbling? I mean there's lots of I have lots of different questions, but let's just start with a very you know, the very high level. What's happening out there? What are you seeing uh from from your clients today?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the big uh, elephant, uh, maybe it's a whale in the room, of course, is the economy, and, uh, you know, all all bets are off with respect to uh, past performance uh, uh, being some indicator of of future performance. Uh, Some industries are doing uh, well, uh, only a few, but some, obviously, energy and uh, anybody having to do with, uh, certainly here in the States, with infrastructure, uh, uh, construction, uh, heavy equipment, that type of thing, uh, you know, maybe will not do as badly, but most companies, Companies are really having a tough time, and they're having a very, very difficult challenge trying to sell. Uh, sales cycles are 20%, 30% longer. Uh, buyers are much, much uh, less willing to part with money. They're very risk-averse. They want to be absolutely, positively certain that what they're buying is going to get the job done. Their own their own uh, companies and their own uh, uh, positions. Uh, you know, I know we have small business owners uh, as as listeners here. You, you know, you, before you spend a, a dollar now, you're going to want to make sure that dollar dollar is going to offer you some return. So the challenges for salespeople now are more difficult than ever before. And, and um, you know, we've looked at this, and we're, we work with some very small companies, uh, some technology companies, couple of companies in the application software space. We're working with some very very large companies. I mean, literally fort- a Fortune 10. So you know, we're getting uh, across industry uh, you know, different, different uh, geographic locations in Europe and Asia and South America, Latin America. And uh, what we're finding is that now, basic sales skills, the basic sales 101, the kind of thing that uh, that you talk, you just mentioned, Stuart, that is required, but it isn't enough. And when I say it isn't enough, uh, we have to assume that our competitors' salespeople have the same basic skills. They've been through the programs. They have a reasonable amount of experience, whether it's three or five or ten years or more. Uh, but but if we're trying to win business now in this very, very tough environment with very savvy and, and informed uh, buyers, uh, sales 101, it, it, it's not that, it, that it's not good. It's just not good enough. So, we've identified three major areas that salespeople now need to come up to speed on, become proficient, and leverage in order to be able to basically outsell their competitors. And, and, and I'd love to dig into those three areas, but let me just tell you what those are. The first is real advanced competitive selling skills. And I'm not talking just about knowing your competitors and their products and their strengths and weaknesses. I'm talking about selling, uh, creating, devising, and executing, selling strategies and counter strategies and tactics and counter tactics specific against the competition that is in uh, an individual opportunity. The second is a higher degree of business savvy. Uh, you know you guys uh, listening uh, you know if you 've heard it a million times, you know it 's not about your products it 's about the business improvement you can bring to your customers but but now it 's ratcheted up even higher level if you can if you can show your customer how you will get them, not you, but your customer through this economic crisis. If you can show them how you can get them through this crisis, they will more likely buy from you than not. And it's gonna. These are advanced selling skills that are required for a salesperson to be able to do that. And the third area is politics within your customers' companies. Every organization has politics. Even even a two-person mom-and-pop shop <laughs> with a husband and wife, there's politics going on. But when you get to a larger company, especially now when everybody's looking over their shoulder, uh, it's the salesperson that can leverage the political machinations and the influence uh, being wielded within companies. Uh, that's the salesperson who's going to have an advantage. And those three uh, areas, competitive selling. Business savvy and business selling and politics are the above advanced one uh, sales 101, maybe sales 201. The advanced selling skills that we've identified are required to uh, uh, to, to be able to have any uh, impact on your sales performance in today's uh, today's market.
0: So you mentioned a couple of things there, one a few that really struck out. Now maybe I got them, uh, maybe I missed in one uh, day, but maybe I'll reveal them here. So I have competitive selling. I have uh, business uh, savvy or understanding the business. Uh, Was that politics, was that a separate one, or is that part of the business savvy?
1: No, I think it's separate. And, and, you know, as as we dig into it, I'll explain why. But I think it's separate. I think it's a whole separate uh, uh, set of skills required, skills and capabilities for a salesperson to be able to, first of all, understand the politics in a customer's company. That's difficult enough, but then be able to leverage it to help them win. So I think that's the third one.
0: Okay, great. So I'm going to kind of jump a little bit around here because I want to uh, first address the business business savvy uh, area because in the IT business, we primarily, uh primarily been focused on uh, product sales, uh, you know, maybe having that deer in the headlight uh, with meeting with our clients where we're spouting out all kinds of speeds and feeds and, you know, nanoseconds and megahertz and gigahertz and <laughs> gigabytes, and, and we get this look across the boardroom table from our clients, and, you know, they're, they're lost. They're like the deer in the headlights. And one of the things I've started practicing, uh, Dave, and is moving around to the other side of the table and sitting next to them now. And I think that's the first step of really gaining, gaining their trust. No longer are we having this us and you chat now across the boardroom table we're sitting beside each other like peers. I think that's probably one of the first uh, steps to really getting under that trust level built. And I'd like to hear maybe what your comments are on that tactic.
1: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, I know you're right. Empathy is a key attribute for anybody in sales, so the ability to put yourself – in your customer's place to understand, not necessarily to feel what they're feeling, that's sympathy, but empathy, to be able to understand what it is that they're feeling and what they're sensing. And your customers are scared. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of fear out there, you know, and your customers are scared. And, and you may have a piece of technology, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, system software or database software, or application software, who knows what it is. You may have a, a piece of technology that to the bottom of your heart you're committed and passionate about and you know your customer needs it, but until you can position that piece of technology in a way that your customer understands it will help their business, it will help them be more competitive, it will help them drive more revenue or reduce expenses or reduce or mitigate risk, until they really believe that, the likelihood of them buying from you, especially now as compared to a year ago, is going to be less. And and so getting on the same side of the table with them, I mean, literally getting up, walking around, pulling up a chair, rolling up your sleeves and sitting on the same side of the table as your customer. it, It sends a very, very strong message. But but customers, uh, companies these days, except maybe if you're, you know, in an IT organization, not at the top of it, but in the organization, most buyers today uh, are really interested in the impact that, that whatever they're buying, whether it's technology or, or anything else, is going to have on their business. And, 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 Stuart, if I said to you... Um, Invest a dollar with me and I will return $2 in business value to you within six months and I can prove it or even better, I can guarantee it, then then you're going you're gonna to probably be compelled to listen to my argument. But if I say, "Boy, I have this an unbelievable piece of technology. It makes the iPhone <laughs> look like, a, you know, the old cell phones that we used to carry in a suitcase." Uh, you're going to go, "Well, you know, that's great. And I'd love to have one in a different time and in a different era and a different place. But right now, I'm scared. I don't want to spend any money." Uh, it, it's it's that that ability to to to, uh, uh, to articulate the business value of your solution. Your customers are buying business improvement. They're buying risk mitigation. Uh, they're not buying technology. And that really is something that, that is more important to understand now than it's been since I started selling software uh, many, many years ago.
0: And, that, and that's a you know, that's very uh, a good way to put it, Davis. is, is uh, you know, clients are going to want either somebody's going to increase their sales, cut their expenses, and mitigate their risk. And that, I mean, that's that's always been there. Uh, I don't think it's always been in the front and center of a lot of people's minds when times were good. But today, uh, those, if you're not, if you're not explaining either one of those three things and getting that buy-in from your customer on, it's going to increase their revenue, it's going to reduce their expenses or mitigate their risk. Uh, And if you can hit all three at the same time in your talk, I, I believe, Dave, we're going to be further ahead than what our competitors are. And I kind of, I have a, a posting. This is the second time now I, I can even bring it up today, and one you know I haven't thought about it for years. But you know, the second time in the same day that I've actually mentioned this is that even and it's so true in today's economy that we're going to be we're going to make more money in our businesses being different than trying to be better than the next guy. And if our competitors, in this case, it gets back to your competitive selling. If our competitors are still pushing feeds and feeds and product, and we can build that trusted relationship by talking about. This solution solution's going to either you know allow you to sell more it's going to control your expenses and it's going to you know lessen your risk dave i think we're going to be miles ahead of our miles ahead of our competition out there
1: yeah, and you know, I, hey, I, Stuart, I, I come out of technology, and I'm, I'm a, I, I, you know, I was always on the leading edge. I was the first one with a cell phone. I was the first one with a laptop. I mean, all, you know, all, not only those things, but all the way down. I love technology, and I buy technology uh, on a, on a whim. I buy it emotionally. I can't justify some of the technology that that I that I uh, I was this, I, I had you know the first early GPS. Uh, well, in my airplane, I have a plane, one of the first ones. In my car as well. I love that stuff. I can't really business justify it, but that's a that's a business to consumer sale. I'm a consumer. I'm not a business owner. But 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 at ES Research Group, when somebody pitches me uh, with a product or a service, the, the first thing I want to know is what impact is this going to have on my business. I don't care if it's sexy or not. I really don't. I mean, if I'm going to buy it, I'd rather it be sexy than not. But but my first question is, what impact is this going to have on my business? My second question Is uh, how do I know what's the likelihood that the representation that the salesperson make makes is going to come to pass? In other words, what risk is involved? And the third question I'm going to ask is how soon will this happen? So if I completely trust that this that this. That the salesperson, uh, if if I uh, completely trust that salesperson and they can prove to me that they have that business value, and I need that and I see that it's going to have that impact, I'm more likelihood uh, more likely to buy. So selling the business to business isn't about sexy. It's not about speech and feeds. It's about business improvement.
0: Yeah, and I, I totally totally agree with that. Is you know, for and it, you know, technology is one of those weird industries. But I'm sure. We can relate to a lot of under the industries they're kind of the same uh same mindset Dave. you know uh, another thing we um uh, you know uh we talked about here on on the business savviness, and especially ringing so true in the i t business today is this whole uh mindset of being the trusted business- the trusted business advisor in your opinion uh talking with your clients are you seeing a general shift from you know People that have a, you know, a technical solution, so let's use IT professionals. We, you know, very much technical people. We go in and we fix things. We fix computer networks. We fix computers. We we set up servers. And it's seen a shift now from, you know, from us being, uh, you know, having some business acumen skills and understanding, you know, general ledgers and accounts receivables and sales processes, and even things that we even talk about with our clients is you know social networking and social marketing. Is that important in today's world to be able to have those conversations with our clients? Uh, It
1: it is. It is. Um, I, I have mixed feelings about some of this. Um, and, and now be you know study objectively looking at sales performance. I mean, I I don't sell sales training. I don't do sales training. You know, I don't sell sales 2.0 or, or social media tools or s- applications or anything like that. I'm, I'm an independent observer uh, of of the market. And and what I get concerned with is that sellers. I, I'll I'll get directly to your question in a minute. But I get concerned that sellers uh, look for shortcuts. They look for the next new trick. Uh, you know, the next new, uh, you know, a whiz-bang gizmo that will uh, have them avoid going through uh, building a sales process, uh, building some value uh, articulation messaging, uh, the right tools, the right brochures, the right ROI spreadsheets, the right proof statements, the right testimonials, a, a really solid website. Uh, I, I get concerned that some of the basics get skipped over uh, because there are a lot lot of folks out there hyping every single new trick to hope to attract, you know, un un uh unawares, uh sellers who 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 where all of this looks you know, like just a big mountain they have to climb to get to a certain degree. Of effectiveness so, so that 's one way and, and sales two point and and social media, uh, whether it 's you know Twitter or LinkedIn or Plaxo or uh, you know jigsaw or Facebook or any of the other tools that we 're using to communicate and, and collaborate with our friends and family and customers, those are all great, but but they should only be used on top of not instead of the basic building blocks, the solid, critical foundation for good selling and running a business. And, uh, you know, I I, I immersed myself about two months ago. We do a lot of research on social media to try to figure out whether it helps or inhibits business-to-business selling. And the dismal fact that right now is that it is a distraction. That it that it, it appears to be a shortcut. It appears to be a quick fix to too many salespeople and their managers, and it's it, it's forcing them to take their eye off the real target, and that is getting the basic. Hiring figured out. I want to hire the right people. I want to build a sales methodology. I want to train them on the methodology. I want to have the right tools and measurement systems in place. Now, with that being said, talking to your customers about that, raising the issue, does help you be a trusted advisor. Because you know, what does trusted advisor mean? It means that you have competence and you have integrity. The competence, meaning, an understanding and a you know a, a, an experience and knowledge about all these technologies and the strengths and weaknesses, and the integrity to be able to share with your customer the truth, what works and what doesn 't, and where you 're strong and where you may have to bring in somebody else to uh, you know to, to contribute to your effort of helping a customer. So trusted advisor, still very, very important. In some markets, maybe more important than ever before. But uh, you know, it really comes down now to people buying based upon uh, overcoming this fear factor. It's going to take a lot for me to open up my wallet and take money out. I need to be sure I know what I'm going to get that it's, uh, you know, pretty secure that it's going to happen. And I know how I want to know how long it's going to take. And if I feel comfortable with those three things, I will be willing to part with money. And I think a lot of business owners, uh, feel the same way.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, and I agree with you too. I mean, I, as a business owner myself, I'm, I'm reluctant to spend money on things that are not going to either, you know, increase my revenue. We get back to that same old thing, increase my revenue, decrease my expenses or, you know, mitigate my risk. And, uh, you know we're having lots of uh, talks today, Dave, with uh, cl- bigger small businesses that want to lessen their uh, their cost doing business, and we have a you know as an IT par- uh, partner we can do that for a lot cheaper than what having their own staff. And see, some, these are some of the conversations that we're having today. But, you know, it gets back to understanding their business and you know and the way they do things. I want to get I want to kind of touch on the competitive selling. that I, I had a meeting with a friend of mine last night who. Uh, who does competitive analysis? And I don't. I don't like to compare myself to my competitors those are I like think we're a little different. But how important is it understanding what the competition is doing out there? Not you know not necessarily the guys down the street, but maybe maybe competitive analysis could be looking at the other IT firm maybe across the country.
1: Well, let me let me put it to you this way. Uh, I'll, I'll draw a bit of an analogy, and, and I'm, I'm sure this will this will hit home for a lot of a uh, lot of the folks listening, either live or, or, or after the fact. Uh, and I'm not a sports analogy guy, but but let me let me draw it to you this way. It, it, can anybody imagine a tennis player, a football team, a basketball team, a baseball team, uh, a fencer, uh, uh, yeah, any uh, hockey? any kind of in golf, any kind of individual or, or team sport where a, a professional, where before a match or a game, they don't have uh, half a dozen consultants, Uh, You know, six dozen videotapes shot from nine different angles, uh, dossiers and profiles on every opponent on the opposing team, and this isn't analyzed for hours and hours and hours, and in some cases for big sporting events, the U.S. Open uh, tennis match or a Super Bowl or World Series, where it's not analyzed for weeks and months. Uh, it, it just wouldn't happen. We can't envision it. We have, a, we have to know, I mean, boxing, or, I mean, just, you know, you could go on and on. But in sales, where our whole, you know, uh, uh, our whole career, our whole income, the, the success and, and uh, viability of our company is dependent upon somebody that is looking to reach into our virtual pocket and take our money out by winning a deal against us, we will go into battle and we really don't know very much more about them than the, their website address and maybe maybe the name of the the other salesperson, so you know it's kind of odd when you think about it. Uh, it, it really is strange. Uh, you know, I I would uh, you know submit to you and to everyone listening that at a minimum you should understand not only the company that you're selling against and and you know where they're based and how big they are and what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, also. The next level about their products and services, again, strengths and weaknesses and where they play and where they don't, what their successes have been and what their failures have been, but I will contend down to the individual salesperson. I want to know that person that is competing against me on that deal. I want to know how long they've been selling. I want to know what their strengths are. I want to know what they do when they're winning, when they're losing. I want to know when they bring in their boss. I want to know when they drop their price. I want to know when they tell the truth and when they don't. And only then will we really be able to have consistent performance and be able to not only base our success on our company and the strengths and weaknesses of our products and services, but more on our own capabilities of being a competitor. And I mean, just imagine Venus Williams going into a U.S. Open tennis match without having ha- her, even knowing the name of her opponent, not to mention having seen videotapes and have you know half a dozen consultants and coaches advising her on how to play the game. I mean, it just would never happen. And I, as a competitive strategist, will no longer, I used to do that, can't imagine a sales team going into any size deal without having a very, very good knowledge about who they're competing against.
0: So would you say, David, it's it's pretty gen, uh, general for uh, sales professionals out there to have no clue even who they're up against in, in a competitive situation?
1: But, yeah. So that's a great question. And, and the answer is it depends on, on the industry, and it depends on the, the sales team, the leader, and the individual salesperson. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of our clients at ESR is a, uh, a large insurance company. They sell group life insurance. And uh, those salespeople, uh, very, very savvy, competitive, business-oriented, politically uh, savvy salespeople, uh, they generally tend to know who it is that they're selling against because they've seen them at bidders' conferences, they've been in the industry for 15 years, they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, and they're able to devise very effective competitive selling strategies and tactics against them. But, but I've seen you know other companies, and, and not the fault of the salesperson or the business owner or the sales manager, but there are just so many competitors. There are 20 or 30 competitors in every single opportunity, and each opportunity may have 15 new competitors. So, It's kind of impossible to keep track of them all, Uh, and and that makes it tougher. But, But let me put it to you this way. If it's at all possible to get a bead on the company that you're competing against, their products and services, and at and, and all about that individual salesperson, you're going to be well served by spending you know, some hours on doing that research. And I'm not talking about 80 hours or 300 hours. I'm talking about three or four or five hours, especially if it's a deal that's critical uh, for your month or your quarter or your, your year. That will be money well spent or time well spent.
0: So let me ask you a quick uh, question on this one, Dave. Because it uh, comes across my desk all the time is that you know, we're we're not you know we're not talking about multi million dollar deals. We're t- you know if if a big deal for us would be maybe twenty five thirty thousand dollars per se. How much time should we be spending on that competitive analysis, uh, or is it just really determined on the on the deal itself on the importance of the deal?
1: yeah i mean it's how, how critical is the deal you know if you're knocking down if you're a small company and you're knocking down and I know i'm going to be a little outrageous here but you're knocking down a 25k deal a day five business days a week uh, you know four weeks 4.3 weeks a month then uh, maybe you don't have to worry so much about that maybe you've got some other mojo working for you and you don't need to worry about it but if a 25k deal is important to you and you haven't had one in a while and you got payroll to meet and, and you know other other costs that you, you're responsible for, then, you, then you're going to want to win that next deal and you're going to probably look at or at least consider other ways that you haven't uh, availed yourself of before and I'm only submitting to you that one of these ways may be to kind of put on a, a, you know, a, a competitive hat, get into a bit of a competitive state of mind and really try to look at your competition in a much deeper and a much more objective way than you might have looked at it before. So in terms of hours, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, three hours getting on the phone, calling some of your colleagues, uh, calling other non-IT suppliers in this company you're selling into to try to get maybe they know something about this competitor, you know, uh, going on some chat boards or some uh, uh, you know, some, some other places where, uh, uh, where where you may be able to get some information about this competitor or this competitive team that you're selling against. Now, I'm not saying don't focus on anything else. What I'm saying is spend a few hours, you know, roll it into the mix here with everything else you're doing, try it, see if it works for you. If it does, then you'll know this is a place you're going to have to spend some more time uh, as you go on to that next deal.
0: Well, at least what we could do, Dave, is, uh, you know, as- small business owners, you know, look at uh, our competitor's website, see what their messaging looks like, how we can make our messaging a little different. Because, you know, one of the challenges that I put to all my peers out there is print your website and then print three or four of your competitor's websites and then highlight all the words that are all the same on each website. And you, it's remarkable how many times we're saying the same message.
1: You know that's that's great. I hadn't thought about that before. And then and then we complain uh, that 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 the customer can't differentiate us from our competitor, and they want to commoditize what it is we're selling. Yeah, I mean it's our job to differentiate ourselves. And it, it's you know you can differentiate your uh, your company, you can differentiate your products and services, and you can differentiate the people who are actually doing the selling. I mean, I, I'm I'm very different. Oh, I used to be very different when I was selling uh, technology and, and selling into IT organizations from anybody else I competed against, and that wasn't by accident. I studied them and I made myself different. And uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of different ways to do that. It's it's uh, you know, uh, uh, it's who you are as a person. It's what you know. It's your network. It's uh, it's your experience. It's uh, uh, what business value can you personally bring. To those who you're selling to, there are a lot of different ways to differentiate yourself, but not differentiating yourself and then wringing your hand saying, woe is me, my cut- my customer doesn't know the difference between me and my competitor uh, th- that sounds like a little more insanity than perhaps anything else <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely one of, well, one of the things we can do immediately, Dave is you know is I always look at the simple things first, right? you know keep your website up to date I mean if you look at any of your competitors' website, chances are a lot of them are out of date. And then, uh, you know, do those little things that uh, a lot of people don't even think about, especially around, uh, you know, in business day. And, you know, I always try to make myself readily available to any one of my clients or colleagues uh, because the fact is that a lot of our competitors are, are, are not returning phone calls and not returning emails in a timely manner, which which shocks me. Even in today's world where, you know, the phones may be not as ringing as frequently as it did and the opportunities are not presenting itself, you know, to the same capacity they did before. That people are still, still not getting back to people in timely fashions.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know that that's been an age-old problem. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember the exact the exact statistic, but there there's some you know significant double-digit number of sales leads that are not followed up on uh, by, uh, by salespeople, that it may have come through uh, you know, websites or through uh, outbound marketing or something like that, and, and there is also some large significant number of salespeople who once they've made contact with a prospect don't follow up. In other words, and I've done it myself. I mean, I have to admit, I've done that. I've had an initial call with somebody. I had some work to do. You know, hey, uh, Stuart, you know, let's talk next Thursday. I'll give you a call, and I didn't do the work. I got busy with other things, and, of course, Thursday comes by. I never make the call, and then I'm embarrassed because I didn't do what I said I'd do, and then, you know, trying to call them the next day or the the, the, the week after becomes uncomfortable, and next thing you know, you know, you've not followed up. So I think that's an excellent point. I think if you do that, that and and uh uh not, not that alone but if you do that i think you've taken a big step forward in differentiating yourself from your competition
0: well and if you and if you have problems doing that and keeping up with uh things that are going on around you you know invest in a good crm uh tool and we had uh, the folks from autotask on two weeks ago we were uh you're in tampa right now dave i was there last week and that's the home of connect so there's lots of great tools out there in our industry that will help us uh keep on touch with things and you know you know, courtesy is, you know, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, they're obviously reaching out to you for a reason. You know, do the – have the respect and get back to them. The last piece of uh, the puzzle here, uh, Dave, is, is the political landscape. You talk about politics. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, um – you know, your customer would like you to believe, uh, that a decision is going to be made by, uh, you know, a small committee by three people, by two people, uh, or a decision is going to be made by someone. And what, what they never share with you is, uh, is the internal, uh, and I'm going to use the word influence and in politics kind of, kind of the same, uh, the, the, influence that takes place hidden from, from, from a salesperson or from a vendor's view, uh, There are many influencers uh, or many people who can influence what company uh, someone buys from. And those influencers are not necessarily people who are on an organization chart or people that you would meet during the normal run of having meetings uh, or uh, demonstrations or proposals or site visits or things like that. Uh, an example would be a silent partner, another example, and i 've had this happen where you know the son of the business owner you 're trying to sell to is is, uh, is in in college studying information technology <laughs> and, 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 the, and the business owner wouldn 't make a decision about anything having to do with i t unless they speak to their son and i mean i 've had that happen to me um, it, it, so, you know it 's kind of difficult you, you know you, you can 't just say to somebody, uh, "Can you explain to me the politics that are going on inside your organization. I mean, that's kind of a, an odd question to ask, and you're certainly not going to get a, you know, if you don't get thrown out of the person's office, you're certainly not going to get a straight answer. But but it's important for us to understand uh, that uh, uh, when you say to somebody who's going to make the decision, and they say Mr. Jones or Mrs. Fredericks, uh, that it's not just Mr. Jones or Mr. Fredericks that's going to make that decision in a vacuum. Uh, they're going to uh, depend on Uh, formal and informal advisors, and and they may make a decision based upon gut feel. They may make a decision based upon some type of consensus. They may... uh, you know, ask uh, people within or outside their own organizations what their opinion is, and that decision will be informed by any number of sources and, and so what we want to be able to do, and again, this is something that takes some some uh some learning and some some training and some practice and some time and and some uh, uh, some experience. is is through our questioning, be able to try to figure out how they've bought things in the past. Who's been involved? Uh, you know who else had uh, something to say about who the vendor was. Who else was involved in in a presentation? Uh, who else made reference uh, ch- or did reference checking? Who else may have read the proposal and had uh, the you know the ability to comment upon it? And asking questions like that, uh, c- you know, can often result in us having an understanding uh, of people outside what we would expect the normal decision process to be. And what, you know, where does that leave us? Well, you know, if I know, if I find out that there are two people involved, uh, you know.
0: Oh, David, did we, uh, did you, did we lose you there? I'm thinking we lost, uh, lost our guest. David, are you, uh, are you still there with us?
1: I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, we can hear you now. We, we oh, dropped off there for like the last 30 oh, seconds. So
1: we'll talk about technology. So I'm, uh, I'm using Skype at the moment, Skype out. And I use that quite a bit when I travel and it's been extremely uh, consistent. But I guess, uh, I guess you did lose me for a minute, so I, I apologize just, yeah, just, for that. Just,
0: just the, last, uh, you know, the last 20 seconds of your, uh, of your talk there. Now, I, yeah. I use Skype as well and it's usually quite uh, reliable. So
1: yeah. anyway,
0: uh, carry on
1: yeah so so i was just saying so so one of the things another of the things that i'm i'm, I'm submitting to all of you is that uh ask some some uh, you know different questions hey the last time you purchased X or Y or Z or Z or whatever it happens to be, uh, how was the decision made? Who else was involved in the decision? Was there anybody who isn't like typically in your team that may have been uh, queried or may have been brought into the decision process? And, And so you want to find out who these people are, and then if it's appropriate, you want to see if you can make contact with those people to get their sense of you, of your solution, how comfortable they feel, the contribution that your solution will make to the improvement of that business you don't want to leave these people uh, untouched and unspoken with because they may uh, have a misunderstanding of you
0: i think we're uh, having some more skype problems with dave there so uh dave are you, are you back yeah, we're uh, we're having some uh, technical challenges, you know, with uh, with Dave right now. So let's see. We'll try. Oh, he fell off here. So I'll kind of uh, let me just while we're waiting for Dave to, to dial back in, let me uh, touch base on some of the things that Dave has mentioned so far about um, why sales 101 is no longer working for us in today's world. We have uh, you know the competitive selling, understanding what's happening in the competitive landscape. You know, really what we talked about over the last little while and you know, and especially in the IT business today is, you know, understanding the business, having some sort of business acumen, being coming that trusted advisor, then understanding the political landscape of what's going on at our clients. And you know, once we understand that we can you know, we so much miles ahead. Dave, are you back with us now?
1: I uh, I think I am. Can you, can you hear me?
0: I hear you hearing loud and clear.
1: Okay, sorry about that. Skype dropped me and I'm back again. I do apologize, so uh, no worries. worry. I am. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so I guess, let me, let me just finish that final point. So, so we want to have just a bit of an understanding who else can influence, who else will influence the decision for or against us. We want to understand who those people are to the extent that we can. We un- want to understand what their biases and preferences are, and we just may want to include contacting them, having a phone call, having a face-to-face meeting, talking to them, asking them questions, and making sure that they understand what your value proposition so so you, you just don't want to leave these influencers, these political people within an organization untouched. That 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 was my main point with that.
0: And what I see, Dave, and, our, and a number of our transactions we have with our businesses, we may get a lead from a networking club or from a colleague or even from another client, and those people are influencers as well because they, they have a, a direct relationship, either a business or a personal relationship that you could use to help influence your deal. And uh, you know I, I have no problem sharing uh, uh, what we're kind of talking about from a very high level with the person who uh, brought that opportunity to us so they can help us and say, you know what, yeah, these guys are on the right track. Make sure uh, you deal with them. And I do that with my web developer and with my telephone guys all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah that, that's an excellent point, excellent point.
0: So while you were uh, dialing back in, I was just kind of going over the three areas again we talked about, which was... You know, understanding the competitive landscape you know, and, and the competitive, you know, what's going on around you, having those business acumen skills, and then understanding who the influences are and, and the politics internally at an organization. Dave, is there anything else we haven't touched on yet that we we have, we might want to bring up in the last few minutes we have together?
1: Well, there is a very important uh, matter here, and, and uh, it's not on my list. It really is for sales managers and for small business owners, uh, and that is the whole issue of hiring salespeople. Uh, my firm estimates, depending on the industry, that some That some some, somewhere between 25 and 33 percent of salespeople employed today are not suited for the jobs that they have. Uh, So 25 percent in the manufacturing industries and some other industries, as high as 33 percent in uh, software and IT. So that means if you have three salespeople working for you, one of them, no matter how much coaching, no matter how much support, no matter how much training you give them, they're just not going to be able to cut it long term. So there's a really, really big productivity issue here. And uh, I think you know, every, every sales manager and every business owner, uh, and I don't care whether you're the VP of sales with 10,000 salespeople or you're the sales manager with two salespeople and you do some selling yourself, you really have to take a look at the people that you have selling for you and whether or not they are capable of getting the job done. Now, there are lots of ways and lots of areas, uh, uh, lots of resources to get help. Uh, What we generally recommend is that you define a profile based upon how your customers buy. Uh, and and the skills and personal traits that are required for a salesperson to succeed. And and you basically hire people if you possibly can, if there's enough of a a pool out there in your geography. But you want to hire people that you know have the required skills and the required personal traits. And the problem is that a lot of salespeople are hired based upon gut feel, or hired based upon performance in the past, which doesn't necessarily equal performance in the future. And I think, uh, you know, if I could leave, uh, you know, you, Stuart, and your your listeners today with, with any one more, uh, you know, one additional point, that is, take this hiring thing very, very seriously. It, it is a critical issue. Uh, for, for effective selling, and very few companies have it right at this point. It's an area for significant potential improvement during 2009.
0: Hey, yeah, that's a great point, Dave, and thanks for bringing thanks for it up. You know, one of the things we always talk about is you know, hire slow and uh, fire fast. Uh, if, you yeah, take the time to, yeah. if you take the time to hire the right people and do your homework, hey, it's no different than getting the right customer for your business. Uh, it'll save you a lot of money down the road, and you don't have to worry about that firing if you have the right the right person uh, on the bus. Uh, Dave, that's that's just my my own uh, learnings I have learned in life over the last little while is, you know, take your time to make sure you have the right people, and then when you have the and when you do that, you have a well-oiled team that gets together. One of the things that we do, Dave, maybe just on a side note, is we actually have a, you know, it's a twenty dollar investment. That we make. It's a, a book called Strength Finders, and we make all of our potential people that we're looking at hiring do that, uh, read that book, and then do the test that follows to make sure that their core strengths, what they, you know, what they, what they want to do versus what they have to do, are in alignment with what our company wants.
1: Yeah, I think you, th- those kinds of tests, Stuart, are. Extremely valuable. I, I congratulate you for doing that. Uh, there are others that you can. Uh, some some are not worthwhile, but there are others that are. And uh, you know, it's it's 20 minutes on a website. Uh, it'll cost uh, it'll cost 40 or 50 bucks to have a sales candidate take the test. And uh, I've taken a few of these as a researcher over the past couple of years. And I'm telling you, I almost fell off the chair. These things are unbelievably accurate. Uh, the the modern suite of psychometric and uh, skill Assessment tests that are available are nearly impossible to beat. They're highly accurate. They're w- well up in the 90%, 94%, 95% range, and they are very, very good predictors of what a salesperson's uh, performance will be. It's not the only predictor. You still want to take them to an interview. You still want to look at, you know, speak to references. You still want to see them. Uh, uh, do a simulated sales call and a presentation and things like that. But but uh, you know, that's an excellent point, Stuart. I, I I agree with you and I highly recommend that for anybody who's listening.
0: Great, Dave. Well, we've been on you know been on here talking on on you know the next thing we need to do with sales and why sales one hundred one uh, you know doesn't work in today's world. And, you know, and I won't say it doesn't work, but you need to have additional skills what we what we chatted about over the last in uh, you know, the last fifty minutes or so. Uh, you know, David, if there's one or two golden nuggets you can share uh, in kind of review here with the listeners, what would they be? And uh, you know, you know that that they would just need to take away. If they, you because know, I mean, we understand that most people won't remember everything we talked about, and most people won't execute on everything we talked about. But if they had to do two things. What would they be?
1: Okay. Well, uh, the, the most important thing that anyone who is uh, managing or running a responsible f- or, or a sales organization should understand is that salespeople need to be selling through a process. Uh, you can't have individual salespeople out there pursuing business whatever way they feel like it. Uh, sales training shouldn't be training just on anything; it should be training the salesperson on how to use the process. So there, there's a lot of information out there on the internet, a lot of guidance. You know, you can you can pay somebody to guide you uh, through this. You can also, if you do some research, you can you can figure it out yourself. But the single most important piece of advice, if there's a sales team or a salesperson that isn't employing a process they need to and their productivity will will go up Almost immediately, and if they continue to stay on that process, uh, that productivity will remain high, uh, even during these tough times. As a matter of fact, especially during these tough times. So that process is based upon how your buyers buy and what you have to do to convince them to buy from you, or I should say allow them to be convinced uh, that they should buy from you. But that is the single most important thing. And, and the other is back to the basics. No shortcuts, you know, no substitutions. Uh, salespeople have to know the basics. The, the sales 101, uh, once they know that, then these advanced capabilities that I talked about. But it's, you know, it's back to the basic uh, foundation skills and, uh, uh, and, uh, and competencies. And that's, that's really what it's all about.
0: That's great. That's the that, you know, second day in a row I heard that that saying about getting back to the basics. Dave, I want to thank you for your time this morning or this afternoon. Uh, what's your uh, what's your blog address for people that want to go and sign up for your blog and or just follow what you're up to?
1: Oh yes, yeah, so the blog. Thanks, yeah, for reminding me. It's Dave Stein's blog. Uh, uh, wordpress.com but the easiest way to find it and I have to change that URL we're going to get a separate domain just type Dave Stein's blog into Google or Yahoo and it'll come up that's S-T-E-I-N Dave Stein's blog it'll come right up and I post uh, four, three, four or 5 times a week is high value. We have lots and lots of followers and it's all about sales for sales leaders. So there's a tremendous amount of good information there and I highly recommend that all of you at least take a look.
0: And also your uh, company website is esresearch.com and you can get to e- yes, the blog from esresearch.com as well.
1: That's that's right. Yep. Well, we have the mo- the latest postings right there so it's esresearch.com and uh, that's ESR's website where you can invest in research and advice, but the blog, needless to say, is free. Plenty of good advice there.
0: Excellent. David, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate you uh, you know, spending the last uh, 50 minutes or so with us and uh, sharing your knowledge about uh, the sales industry.
1: Thank you, Stuart. Appreciate being here, and good luck to all the, uh, all the listeners.
0: Thank you once again. So that was our, uh, our program with Dave Stein from ES Research, and thanks again, Dave, for, for joining us. Just a quick update on what's coming uh, up in the next few weeks on uh, Small Business IT Radio. We have our show next week with uh, George Resho from, uh, what are we talk about with George next week? We are talking about partnerships and why partnerships are a difficult ship to steer. So that's next uh, Friday, the 13th of March. And then we have a special show uh, at 11 o'clock Eastern Time on uh, March the 18th. So you may want to mark your calendars for this one. We're going to have Bob Berg on the program once again. And Bob, again, is from where, uh, where uh, Dave joins us uh, in that area. He's from the uh, the central Florida area, and he's going to be joining us uh, talking about the gold giver once again and uh, with and joining us with Arlen Sorensen. And we're going to be uh, kind of highlighting what's coming up at the upcoming HTG Summit Conference in Dallas and in the second half of April. So you don't want to miss that. So that's uh, on the that's our schedule for the next few weeks. Here we got lots of stuff in the pipe. A lot of uh, people we're talking to. Uh, visit our website at smallbusinessitradio.com to keep up to uh, speed. What's what's happening in our uh, on our program here? Again, we do this uh, for all of you, the small business IT professional that wants to get more information. You know, wants other resources where he can uh, you know learn about business. It's uh, you know it's just something that we uh, like to do here to help all of our uh, you know help all of our uh, colleagues in uh, in the small business IT business, and even uh, you know, if you if you want to be a guest, you want to come on and share your story, what you got on the go, uh, you know you're more than welcome to uh, to join us, uh, and just have to email us at info at smallbusinessitradio.com, uh, or give us a call and we'll uh, we'll help we'll get you on the air here and uh, get you talking. So this is Stuart Crawford with Small Business IT Radio in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're going to be signing off for this week. Make sure you uh, join us next week when we have George Show on about uh, partnerships and why the partnerships are a difficult ship to steal uh it's not a steal steer anyway have a great week we'll talk to you soon
1: hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing